0: Cinema's Soft Soft Underbelly Underbelly. Hello everyone, I'm Eugene Weaver. Welcome to Cinema's Soft Underbelly. Your place to find all things horror, exploitation, lost gems, uh, movies that aren't really good but really should uh, be given a second chance just because they have a good backstory or there's certain things in them that make them really really uh interesting and rewatchable. uh today i am going to be focusing on a pair of movies that i've i've watched one of them i've watched numerous times the other one i've watched twice and i'm actually planning on rewatching it here very shortly uh, but they're very good movies they're very different in style and approach but they're dealing with the same subject matter um we're going to be talking today about movies that focus on the Jersey Devil, and I'm going to give just a, a little bit of backstory on the legend of the Jersey Devil, and then we'll dive into the movies that, that, uh, that are worthy of your, your viewing pleasure. So the Jersey Devil, it's a legendary creature, uh, It's supposedly uh, in, it inhabits the Pine Barrens of Southern New Jersey here in the United States. The creature is often described as a flying, bird-like creature with hooves, Uh, but there are many different variations. Uh, The common description is uh, like a kangaroo-like creature with the head of a goat, leathery, bat-like wings, horns, small arms with clawed hands, cloven hooves, and a forked tail. And I got some of this stuff off of Wikipedia. It has been reported to move quickly and often is described as emitting a blood-curdling scream. Uh, the origin of the legend. I'll get into the origin of the legend here briefly, and then we're going to get into the movies. The earliest legends date back to Native American folklore, wherein the uh, Lenni-Lenape tribes called the area Place of the Dragon. Swedish explorers later named it Drake Kill, meaning a word for dragon, Uh, and and, uh, also the the channel or arm of the sea. So that's kind of, that's kind of weird. But yeah, anyway, uh, the accepted origin of the story is as follows. Uh, it is, and again, this is taken from Wikipedia here. It, it was said that Mother Leeds had 12 children and after finding she was pregnant with a 13th, stated that this one would be the devil. In 1735, Mother Leeds was in labor on a stormy night. Gathered around her were her friends. Mother Leeds was supposedly a witch, and the child's father was the devil himself. The child was born normally, but then changed form. It changed from a normal baby to a creature with hooves, a goat's head, bat-like wings, and a forked tail. It growled and screamed, then killed the wildlife before flying up the chimney. It circled... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's. It growled and screamed, then killed the midwife. Sorry about that. I should have looked at that a little closer as I'm reading this. Before flying up the chimney, it circled the villages and headed toward the pines. In 1740, a clergy exercised the demon for 100 years and it wasn't seen again until 1890. Mother Leeds had been identified by some as Deborah Leeds on grounds that Deborah Leeds' husband, Jaffet Leeds, named 12 children in the will he wrote in 1736, which is compatible with the legend. Deborah and Jafat Leeds also lived in the Leeds Point section of what is now Atlantic City, New Jersey. This is commonly the location of the Jersey Devil story. So there's the origin of this, of this, this story uh, and just a little backstory on the Jersey Devil. I've always thought that that story is so creepy and, and prime for a horror movie. Uh, especially the name for something, something about the name, the Jersey devil and the pine barrens. It just, it's a demon creature in the woods. It's just very scary to me, which leads us to the movies that I'm going to be talking about today. And I'm going to start with the older of the two. And I actually had just briefly touched on this movie on uh, the other show that I co-host movie freaks. Uh, I'm going to spend a lot more time on it here in this episode delving into the making of it and some of the neat facts about this movie um i watched the the movie is called the last broadcast and the film was made by stefan avalos and lance wheeler and um just pulling up my notes here the budget of this movie was nine hundred dollars and from what I'm reading online here, the box office worldwide take is four million bucks. Not bad. This movie came out a year before the Blair Witch Project, although uh, it it didn't really surface. It didn't, at least to me, it didn't really surface until the the Blair Witch Project hit and was a huge hit. Then it seemed like this movie kind of came out of the woodwork, and oh, there's also this movie. Didn't get obviously didn't get near the recognition that the Blair Witch Project did, but it is very similar to the Blair Witch Project in, with the whole found footage thing, shot on a shoestring budget, with uh, you know non actors basically, set in the woods and something is lurking and all that good stuff. Uh, but I, I've got to give credit to Blair Witch Project for I, I have a feeling that if Blair Witch Project would not have been as big as it was, this movie could very well have been completely lost in in the long list of movies that are dumped onto DVD on a weekly basis. But this one did find some acclaim. It got somewhat good reviews. Uh, I personally think the movie is fantastic. Uh, It's, granted, keeping in mind that that very, very low budget movie, uh, cost of $900, that's super low budget. This was the first movie to be filmed, edited, and screened entirely digitally. And this was back in 1998 that this was made. So this was made before Blair Witch Project. Uh, No film was involved in the making of this. And back in the 90s, uh, feature-length movies were pretty much you had to shoot on film. Uh, The cameras out there, the video cameras out there, the digital quality just wasn't good enough to make a movie. Now, almost every... I mean, there's very 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 few movies are actually shot on film anymore uh you can pick up a video camera at your local best buy or on amazon for you know 500 bucks and that thing is going to be great high def quality video camera well back then things were different but these guys they got a digital camera the video the movie once it was done it uh the premiere screening was released digitally to cinemas across the U.S. via satellite and shown using Texas Instruments' DLP digital cinema projectors. And that's another thing is like digital, uh, digital cinema projectors. DLP is now common in the world of home theater projectors. It's, you can pick up a home theater projector for not much money in high HD. But back then, it was, it was almost unheard of. That was such a new thing. Uh, So very, very forward thinking. I think that's so cool. I know that George Lucas was a big, a big pioneer of the digital age, but these guys came first. I think that's really, really cool. So I'm going to give a synopsis on the movie and then just give you my, my thoughts on it. Uh, The film deals with a documentary filmmaker named David Lee and his investigation of the fact or fiction murders, where a pair of public access television cable TV hosts were murdered in mysterious circumstances. Lee sets out to find the truth behind these killings while making his documentary. Fact or Fiction is a show dealing with unsolved mysteries and the paranormal. Its two hosts are Stephen Avcast and Locus Wheeler, which they have obviously they took the names of the directors and changed them around and like everybody that made the movie actually stars in the movie too it's such a independent little tiny movie that everybody helped everybody else out so if they were making the movie they were also starring in the movie um initially a success we find out through Lee's inter, inter- investigations that the show is failing and is threatened with imminent cancellation it is at this point that Avcast comes up with the idea of a live internet relay chat section of the show. And again, this is 1998 that this movie was made. Internet was fledgling back then. I mean, we're talking like five years old and it was, you know, slow internet. So this is, they're, again, very much forward thinking and I love that. It's during one such chat that a caller gives... Ofcast the idea of searching for the jersey devil in the pine barons Um, there's no details on the actual legend it's just jersey devil pine barons Uh, they jump on the idea and they recruit a sound man who allegedly can record the paranormal normal and a guy named jim seward a, a psychic uh, Lee later claims that Seward is emotionally disturbed. The plan is for the four of them to enter the Pine Barrens, where Seward will lead them to the location of the Jersey Devil. During the hunt, they will broadcast a live show simultaneously via television, internet, and amateur radio. Also known as podcasting, kind of, I would imagine. They enter the Barrens, but now I'm I'm starting to get into spoiler territory here, but this is kind of setting... Up for what the whole movie is about, so I'm not gonna I'm not giving too much away here. But they enter the Pine Barrens, but only Seward emerges alive, and you learn about this fairly quickly in the movie if, when you watch it. The others are horribly murdered. Ovask's body is never found, though it is made clear during Seward's murder trial that he could not have survived considering the amount of blood lost at the crime scene. Um, I have a couple more notes here, but again, I don't want to give too much of the movie away. But basically, the whole movie is a cross between found footage because there is footage there's footage uh, from their taping at the Pine Barrens that the uh, that this David Lee guy that is basically he is narrating the movie that you're watching he's narrating the the last broadcast and so he's trying to find out what was on that highly damaged footage that was shot out in the Pine Barrens so it's partially found footage partially a documentary show fake documentary show you know they're doing interviews with you know, all sorts of different people um and there's also a little bit of actual uh movie movie in it so we've got three different types of movie making in involved in this thing and again i, I want to be very vague with this because To give too much away would give away some of the surprises in this movie. Obviously, with that type of a budget and back then, you have to keep that in mind when watching this and don't think this is going to be the greatest thing ever. The acting is kind of hokey. Some of the dialogue is hokey, but that's okay. Um, These are non-actors doing their thing. I think it's so cool that they did this. And The first time I watched this movie... I remember I rented it because, ooh, it's, you know, on the cover here it says uh, it preceded the Blair Witch Project. And I loved the, the, I loved the Blair Witch Project. Saw it twice in the theaters and watched it numerous times on DVD and, and Blu-ray. And so, like, ooh, I've got to see this. And this is back, you know, I way back in the day that I watched this the first time. So I watched this movie late at night uh, in the dark. And I was so scared. It was so scary. Something about the setup of it. The twists, um, the being out in the pine barrens, and it's you can tell it's just it's cold out there. They're they're shooting obviously on location, and it's cold and dark, and the video quality is bad, and the narrator is his voice is fits perfect with this movie. Uh, he's just got this monotone voice that it's it's not like he's passing judgment. He's just delivering. What he considers the facts of this case and what went down, and uh, man, it's creepy, very creepy. Now, again, I haven't watched it in a couple of years. Last time I watched it, though, I thought it was—I I thought it still held up. Uh, but it's, it's one of those movies where it could be that you know, since since this movie came out, we've all been so jaded with so 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 many found footage movies, and they just—it's like they keep pumping out year after year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to rewatch this movie having seen so many found footage movies it may have lost a lot of its bite but if you watch it in the context of when it was made and the budget behind it the storyline and the ingenuity behind it i think it's very very good and it's very very worthy of being rediscovered even if you don't like the movie i think the fact that they did this even before blair witch project did is so cool and Before both of these, I mean, this type of movie here, uh, a lot of people say, oh, it's kind of like the Blair Witch Project. Actually, no. It's like all these found footage movies come from, essentially come from one movie, and that's Rogero Diodato's Cannibal Holocaust that was made back in the, I think, 1979, 1980, uh, right around that time. That was, to me, that was the first found footage horror movie, and so many movies have tried to emulate that and including the Blair Witch project. It's you got your filmmakers that are kind of cocky and they go to a place they shouldn't and they do things they shouldn't and bad things happen to them and it's caught on tape and then it's discovered. That is Cannibal Holocaust. It is that movie there is a whole episode in and of itself. It is one of the most notorious graphic gory grindhouse movies ever made. Just got a fantastic Blu-ray release. I'm going to focus on that at a, in a later, in a later show. But more than likely, if you're watching this, sh- if you're listening to this show, you've probably heard of Cannibal Holocaust. If not, uh, run out and get that movie immediately because it is the granddaddy of all, uh, of all hardcore horror movies slash found footage movies. So anyway, back to the Jersey Devil. Uh, for the most part. There's not a whole lot I can say about the movie without giving, starting to get into real uh, spoiler territory. However, I do highly advise you out there, if you're into this thing, give it a shot. Even if you don't like it, it's still worthy of a piece of horror history. Moving on, I'm going to get into the newest of the Pine Barrens. Jersey Devil movies and I'm sure that there's other ones out there because it's just there that's such a ripe storyline for a horror movie but I'm going to touch on one of the newer ones that I've seen that deal with that and that is called The Barons and it was made by Darren Lynn Bousman and he actually is the director of Saw Part 2, 3, and 4 and Repo a genetic opera which I uh I forced myself to sit through. That was that was that was torture. However, I, the scream sequels, the first couple are, are very very watchable. I really like this movie though, The Barons. It's probably my favorite movie from him. Um it doesn't have a huge budget, you can tell that right away. I believe it was shot on sixteen millimeter and it feels like that. It has that video or it has that that cinematic film like feel to it, which I I like and i think that that does start to be missed a lot nowadays with with stuff shot on uh, on digital video is you lose that cinematic feel uh it seems like every other movie that pops up on netflix that's a year old has this shiny glossy feel to it and some of them work great but then others others i like that film feel that uh that it looks like film because it's shot on film this is a great example. House of the Devil is another great example. Ty West, uh, for a lot of his movies, not all of them, but at least a couple of the movies that Ty West has done, he shot on film. But The Baron's, I believe, was shot on sixteen millimeter film. Um, reading over the some of my notes here, it stars uh, uh, Stephen Moyer, and he's from True Blood, and uh, Mia Kirshner. She's been in some stuff. And, but for the most part, we're not dealing with big-name big, big name actors. The film was released in, uh, under several, several different titles in, over in Europe. Jersey Devil in German-speaking countries and The Forest in France and Belgium. I think all of them work. Uh, the Barons is a good title, though, because it does... For me, when I heard look, The Barons and then you see the cover like all right well this movie is set in the pine barrens and if that's the case then it's probably about the jersey devil so i'm going to read what the movie is about this movie is about the uh, the vineyard family and their trip to the new jersey pine barrens there is a legend that the jersey devil lives in these woods it came about after a woman known as mother Leeds had 13 children so this one here actually deals with the legend But she offered up the 13th child to the devil so she and her other children didn't have to leave their house as they were going to be forced out by the town folk because she was having too many kids in the area back in the 1700s so it's now the present and the vineyard family are going to camp there so the father can release his father's ashes but while there they hear that someone has gone missing and the father richard thinks it's the work of the Jersey Devil. So they move their campsite to get away from the rest of the campers, only to find that they're in more trouble than they were before. But is the story of the Jersey Devil real, or is it just another story? And when I said, when I when I originally, when I started the show, I said that I, I wish that they would make a movie about the Jersey Devil. Well, the Barons essentially is, but I think what would be cool is if they would actually make a movie set back in the 1700s and maybe they, maybe they have, I should probably do a little bit more research there. They may very well may have made a movie like that, but I think that storyline would lend itself really, really well to a movie set back in the 1700s. Uh, And I'm in, I'm in fact, I'm almost envisioning uh, something that feels almost like Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow, like that, that feel. I think that would be really, really cool. Um, So anyway, uh, this movie, um, Darren, the director, he wanted to shoot the film in the actual Pine Barrens of New Jersey, but uh, I believe that this movie was shot in Canada. And you really couldn't tell because Canada is woods and cold and it works really, really well for, for the movie and the set. I think that it works fine. Um, this is a little bit more guerrilla filmmaking type thing going on here and I always can appreciate that. I've uh, got some notes here. The daylight scenes at the campsite were filmed in one single day. That's impressive. Uh, th- and there's more than just a couple actors. I and mean, there's husband, wife, two kids, but there's other campers involved. Uh, there's other there's other cast members, and there's other you know, park rangers and all that stuff. So a, a lot of this came together uh, really good. The, the film was originally going to be shot in 20 days, but uh, there was some bad weather, so they actually cut that down some. So it, was not, it wasn't even 20-day shoot. Um, there are several different forests that are used in the movie, although it's almost seamless. You can't really tell. Um, but the, the setting is perfect for this movie. Uh, a lot of the scenes were done in a single take just to keep things rolling. Now, that's good knowing that because the first time I watched this movie... I did think some of the acting was quite questionable, and it's like, ah, man, that seems kind of ham-fisted and overacting or emoting too much. It just, you get that feel, and knowing that, that's, they didn't have enough, enough takes. However, that certainly does not ruin this movie at all, especially on the rewatch. The first time I watched it, I'm like, yeah, that was pretty good, uh, and, about halfway through, I'm like, "Come on, let's let's go here." We're now I'm starting to get bored. But trust me, if you stick with the movie, it, it really does pay off quite nicely. Uh, and watch through the end credits as well. There's a scene after the credits that's that's kind of cool, but definitely worth a watch. I would probably pick the last broadcast, uh, but that would be a great doubleheader if you're wanting to watch something about the Jersey Devil and and movies that are set in the woods and creepy. Two very, very different movies, but they deal with the same subject matter, essentially. Um, two very inventive movies, too, because even like The Barons, you can tell it's a, very, a fairly low-budget movie, but they get inventive with it, and it's not just complete cookie-cutter horror. It is different, and I think that's really cool that uh, that that the director, coming off of Saw 2, 2 3, and 4, which did huge bank. That he went back and did a movie like this. That's fairly low budget, very brief shooting schedule. And you know, I get it. The Saw movies are low budget too. But the Saw movies are production, like you know, Hollywood productions that rake in tens of millions of dollars. Versus this thing that was, I'm guessing, this was a direct to DVD, Blu-ray type movie. Uh, I don't believe that last last broadcast is is streaming on Netflix or anything. And the Barons, I'm not 100 percent sure if it is. If it is, watch it immediately. I would love to hear your feedback on did am I am I wrong in that movie? Am, am I completely off? Did the thing suck or did you enjoy it? Uh, I really did enjoy it. Enjoyed it enough that I've watched it several times, and I plan on watching that again. In fact, I could easily see myself doing a double header of Last Broadcast and the Barons. Um, I always I'm just I'm a sucker for movies that are set in the woods and and there's people that are in trouble and there's something after them or that something might even be in them like one of them is now we're getting to slasher territory here, but just there's some there's something out to get them. I love that premise. I think it's so good uh and yeah, it's been done to death, but when it's done right. It makes for a great horror movie, because what what better setup for a horror movie than a creepy woods? I could name probably hundreds of horror movies that are set in the woods, and uh, for one reason or another, that it, it it should be there. It it works so well set in the woods. Uh, in fact, one one movie that really comes to my mind uh, that that the woods is the perfect setting for is The Howling uh, about werewolves. It's such a cool setting, this little little colony in the woods. And there are so many scenes that play perfectly with the, the big pine trees and the wolves. And I, I love that. So granted, I understand howling has zero to do with the barons in the last broadcast other than the woods. But we're talking horror movies here. We're talking grindhouse. We're talking low-budget stuff. So it, they're all family one way or the other. But, um, so that's it for those two movies. Uh, in the meantime, I am going to do some more research. I want to see if there's other movies made about the Pine Barrens and the Jersey Devil. I I don't know why I just have this feeling that I might be missing out on something, or maybe there is a movie that I've, I've seen and just don't recall that it was set there or dealt with that legend. But, uh if you're a fan wrapping things up here, if you are a fan of the Blair Witch Project, then give Last Broadcast a shot. If you absolutely positively despise found footage, then, you know, there is a chance you may not like The Last Broadcast because it's it's low budget and uh, it's one of the first ones, but the story behind it and how they did it, it it's very, very inventive and very unique for, for its time uh, and just the distribution of the movie and the fact that I'll tell you what, man, I that scared me so bad I woke up in the middle of the night after watching that. Um, you know, and it's not like I was 10 years old. I was, you know, I was in my 20s when I watched this movie. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm like, "Man, I'm creeped out right now." That was creepy. You may not have the same it might may not have the same effect on you cuz I am officially jaded. <laughs> and back then I wasn't quite as jaded, uh, but regardless very good watch. Same with the Barons. It was very well made for the budget. Has some good performances, although could have could have stood to have a couple more takes just to get it better. Um, a killer ending. If, if it's one of those movies where I say, please, please, please stick with it because even if you hate some of the stuff in the movie, I'll be surprised if you don't dig the ending. It's a It's got a very cool ending. And... Uh, And the setting is great, even though it wasn't necessarily filmed in the Pine Barrens. You do feel like you are in the Pine Barrens. It is desolate and woods everywhere and creepy. So, big thumbs up on both of those. And that is going to do it for yet another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope that you give these movies a chance. And as always, you can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com. And please make sure that you tune in to Movie Freaks over on YouTube. That's MF Pod, And uh, give us a listen to. We touch on numerous movies, numerous genres. It's not just the horror genre. We cover a broad, broad range of movies every episode. And we're a weekly show for the most part. Uh, but we are... Married with kids, so sometimes our schedules fluctuate. But regardless, we try to get those pods out at least once a week. Uh, and also, our friends over, over at Cinema Sidekicks—you can find them on iTunes. Uh, good group of guys doing uh, movie reviews and chatting movies. We all are big movie fans, and so we all like to promote our our respective shows. That's it for me today. I'm Eugene Weaver. Thanks for listening.